means the ministry is interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are covering chapter 26, Seen and Unforeseen. Molly is back with us. Hey guys. And this is a stunningly loaded chapter. It's a long chapter. It's like 29 pages, which yeah. for Harry Potter, that's getting pretty long of chapter. No, I was like, dang. There's a lot. We start out with a Hermione Harry conversation. We get some Quidditch updates. We get that article in the Quibbler dropping, which leads to educational decree number 27, <laughs> which we'll get to. <clears throat> we get another Harry dream. Uh, this one's a little bit more interesting, though, than yeah. just a long corridor that ends at a door. Uh, this one's got a lot to it. Uh, we get Harry diving into Snape's mind during mm-hmm. an Aquamancy lesson. And stunningly, Umbridge strikes again. Yeah. Uh, so, a lot of stuff to talk about here, but I wanted to start off with, so we had, I had, this is a behind the scenes knowledge here, but I had Molly pegged for the previous chapter since maybe the end of Goblet of Fire when I started putting the chapters together and started organizing this. Yeah. And I know both Molly and I put a lot of effort (laughs) into our thoughts on that chapter. (laughs) Uh, maybe Molly specifically more than I did, but <laughs> probably. Um, but a lot. I, I will. I'll be honest here. I was starting to read this chapter, and I was geared up for that. Like, oh, I'm gonna have hot takes for Molly, and I'm gonna like bring some info here. And then I read this chapter, and Hermione kind of steals all my thunder. Yeah, because Hermione gets on Harry and is like, "Yeah, Cho was the off base, but you were tactless." Yeah, I mean. You could have worded that way better. Exactly. And she does this with, quote, the air of one explaining that one plus one equals two to an over-emotional toddler, end quote. <laughs> And I like that because now we've gotten some flack on this podcast for being, and by other guests on this podcast, Anna's uh, a particular uh, one that likes to defend Harry here. And that's fine. And that's great. But we've gotten some flack for being a little harsh on Harry. Uh, Julie, I'm looking at you. A little harsh on Harry. <laughs> but Hermione's harsh on him here and being like, you got to be better. Yeah. You got to be better. And then that air of explaining one plus one to an over-emotional toddler, I think, is the air with which we speak <laughs> about Harry sometimes on this podcast. Uh, so it just made me laugh. Yeah. It just made me laugh. And I was like, huh, that, that yeah. makes sense. And then as you brought up in the last chapter... What's funny about this is that Hermione should have also thought about what she was asking on yeah. that day. And that's that's honestly one of the more interesting points I think we brought up about that whole show Harry date was like, you know, Hermione's a little to blame for how poorly this went since she's yeah. the topic that derailed the whole thing. Yeah. Ron also notes that Hermione's a little bit of a... Uh, savant (laughs) with her (laughs) insights to the female mind right Uh, you get that difference of like harry being blunt and show being a little bit more mysterious 
And then that kind of breaks down into the guy versus girl, like how they think, how they feel, how they react, how they yeah. do everything. Men are a little bit more blunt. Yes. Women are a little bit more subtle with how they communicate things. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but you do get a little bit of that <laughs> kind of back and forth. Uh, as I mentioned, Ron kind of interjected himself into this conversation at some point. We get a little Quidditch update on how things are going with the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Uh, spoiler alert. Not well. Yeah. Not well. Friend George said they were actually out watching the practice. They're like, Ron was not performing well. Slop, slopper? Slop, sloper? Sloper. Sloper. I read it as slopper, which I think is funny. I, yeah. Bad. I feel like that should have another P in the name, though. I think it's yeah. sloper. It, I think it's sloper. Sloper and Kirk are not doing well replacing Fred and George. It, it's just, it's really rough. They said Ginny was actually doing quite well. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea how or why she's actually as good as she is. But Hermione actually lays out the idea that, you know, she's actually been breaking into your broom shed since she was six mm-hmm. and just rotating through the brooms practicing. And I forget if it's Fred or George goes, oh, that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that now makes sense. Yep. I do also like the little detail that Fred and George throw in here of like, uh, yeah, you know, we actually figured out the snack box issue of the boils mm-hmm. lee put us onto this like mertlap essence mm-hmm. and it seems to work and i'm like mm-hmm. lee put you onto the mertlap essence because harry put him onto the mertlap essence about umbridge's torture and how that kind of soothes the wounds which hermione put him onto it right so hermione's now kind of helping fred and george yeah very, yeah. very indirectly. I don't know. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> so Six degrees of separation. Exactly. <laughs> we get Harry failing at his Aquamancy homework. And he keeps going into these dreams and he keeps feeling emotions and sensations that he should not be. But one of the main events of this chapter happens one morning at, in the Great Hall when about a billion, and I'm... Really not exaggerating. Like a billion owls descend upon Harry. Mm-hmm. And they're all trying to offer him their their parchment, their letters. I think one actually has a copy of the Quibbler. And we find out that the Quibbler has been published. And that yeah. article that Rita wrote is now available. You know, after the Crumplehorn Snorkak article <laughs> had its run. Uh, people have read it, and people have opinions, Molly. Yeah. Do you I know mean, this? People have opinions about things, and it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've gone on the Twitter, but or the X now. <laughs> but people seem to have opinions about everything and anything. Right, right. And that seems to be the case here. You get opinions that span the entire realm. Yeah. You get people supporting Harry, people against Harry, people kind of meh, yeah. kind, of, kind of in the middle. Yeah. It's it's kind of an interesting mixed bag. Like, I believe you, but I don't want to believe you. Yeah, there was a lot of those. Yeah. There's a lot of those. Yeah. Understandable, though. So I asked you this question last chapter, but I'm going to ask you again anyway. Yeah. What do you think the adults in this scenario are thinking? I think you said it pretty well in the last one. Like, oh, man, but actually this is not that bad of an idea. You think Dumbledore and Voldy are having that same thought of like, 
hey, this isn't ideal. Also, it's not awful. (laughs) I don't think Voldy has really any opinions on it. I'll be honest. Really? Yeah, I don't think Voldy Voldy cares. I bet you his Death Eaters care. I'm sure his Death Eaters care. some of them were named. Exactly. And they cannot be happy about it. No, no. I'm sure that, like, you know, Malfoy and, uh, or, you know. Crab and Goyle. Crab and Goyle that are still somewhat in society. You know, they're not exactly happy about it. But I don't think Valdi really cares, cares one way or the other. Yeah, Valdi has one mission right now. We do have, we do get another name that we haven't heard a whole lot of, uh, if at all, really. Mm-hmm. Theodore Knott. Yeah. And Harry... Named his father as one of the the Death Eaters, and you get a scene where it's like Malfoy, Crab, Goyle, and Not are like all in a corner, and they're all conspiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as Hermione points out, they can't do or say anything because the Quibbler has been effectively banned yeah. from Hogwarts by Educational Decree Number Twenty Seven. <laughs> Any student in possession of the Quibbler will be expelled. Yeah. Which Hermione loves because she's like, this is the best thing Umbridge could have possibly done. Right. By banning this magazine, she ensures everybody will read it. Absolutely. I love it. Obviously, Umbridge does not find this funny. She gives Harry, like, a full week's worth of detentions. Mm-hmm. Um, she makes a scene in the Great Hall when she finds this all out. Yeah, not not very thrilled about it. No. I do like how the teachers have started to show like subtle signs of support, though. Mm-hmm. Some more subtly than others. Mm-hmm. I think doesn't like Flitwick give him like a whole box of chocolates or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sprout, I think, gives him like an obnoxious amount of points mm-hmm. for helping. It's like her fifty body. points. Yeah. Yeah. So some some subtle signs that you're getting from staff about like mm-hmm. where they fall. Right. On, on this whole issue. Yeah. Um, which is kind of good to know. Uh, also, you get Cho speaking to him again. Yes. So she apologizes to him. I'm not sure exactly. It's unclear what she apologizes for. If she apologizes for the way the date ended or just generally for Harry's plight in, in general. I'm not sure which she apologizes for. Right. But uh, she apologizes, and Harry's like, okay, cool, we're not talking again. That's awesome. Right. Gives him a kiss on the cheek. Yep. Yeah. Kiss on the cheek forgives all. Right. Do you think, okay, we kind of touched on this in the last chapter. Do you think for her this was a little bit of a healing thing to know what happened with the whole thing with Cedric? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's what she wanted. Yeah. I think it's what she's been wanting for a while is the full story. Right. It's, to be honest with you, uh, I think it's a little odd that Harry suddenly felt fully comfortable mm-hmm. going over all of the details. Especially with Rita. Especially with Rita, absolutely. Right. It's a little like, uh, no, you're right. cool with it. Right. It's a little odd. It is. I mean, Hermione does have a huge thing on her, though. Considering she's a unregistered animagus. Yeah. So. I mean, you were hesitant to say your story in a relatively private DA meeting. Right. And now the whole world knows what you saw and what you did and all those 
dirty little details. Right. It's a big step. Interesting way to go about it. <laughs> it's, it's a big swing. Yeah. It's a big swing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I so Cho is now back on his side. Right. After a very frosty breakfast, because mm-hmm. she's like blatantly ignoring him <laughs> for a right. while after that date. Right. We get to another hairy dream. This one's a little bit more interesting. We get Voldy. So Harry is in the point of view of Voldy. Mm-hmm. He's looking out of his eyes. He could see his own white skeletal fingers clutching a chair. And it's Voldy questioning Rookwood about the Department of Mysteries. And like, hey, why didn't this work? We've been trying these things for a while. What's going on? Can I trust you with what you're saying? Avery was saying this. And Rookwood was like, no, no, no. I I worked there. This is how this works. Avery's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he lets us know that Avery told Voldy that Bode could get something. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly couldn't. Right. And it hurt badly. We also know that Malfoy imperiused Bode. And Bode fought hard against that imperious curse because he knew he couldn't accomplish what was being asked of him. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. There, There's a lot there. We also get Voldy being like, okay, all right, that's fine. Go get Avery. Yeah. <laughs> and then that does not end well for Avery. <laughs> no. Uh, so it's a very interesting dream. Yeah. It's a different one than he's used to. Now you're getting a look literally inside Voldy. the man himself. Yeah. And then Ron immediately goes, you've got to tell. And then Harry breaks him off and goes, I haven't got to tell anyone. Right. Hermione and Ron do a pretty good job as peers. Mm-hmm. Telling him, right? Hey, Dumbledore needs to know about this. Right. Sirius needs to know about this. Lupin right. needs to know about this. Like people need to know. Like you need to tell somebody this is happening. You need to tell Snape this is happening. He's your teacher in these occlumency lessons. And Harry's like, nope, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody I'm failing. <laughs> like it's fine. Yeah, this is totally okay. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Right. I don't know. If you're if you're in Harry's shoes here, what are you kind of thinking? I can completely understand where Harry's coming from, though. Like, look at how this whole thing has gone so far with Snape. Not well. Yeah, and it's getting worse. And it's getting worse, and he's only going to just keep belittling Harry, which Harry doesn't really want right now, over this. Like, there's no... He can't tell Dumbledore because Dumbledore is not really talking to him. Like, there's no one really... He doesn't feel like he has an outlet. Right. He doesn't. <clears throat> I agree on the Dumbledore thing. I don't I don't think he feels like that's a viable option for a couple of different reasons. I, a, Dumbledore has showed no interest in him yeah. at all. B, he thinks, and I think he's used this excuse before in this book, of he's got enough on his plate. He doesn't right. need me... Talking to him about dreams. Like, he's got enough to worry about. Right. Okay. McGonagall? Because McGonagall is his right-hand woman. And someone you presumably feel a little bit more comfortable with. Yeah, there's still a little bit of hardness to McGonagall, though. Like, I think Harry trusts McGonagall, but at the same time, too, I don't think he sees her as, like, a soft shoulder, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And he can't tell Sirius because... He refuses to involve right. Sirius and maybe make him do something right. rash. And I mean, he he can't tell Snape. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I get why, because out of all the people we just mentioned, Snape is the least yeah. friendly adult. Right. Uh, but at the same time, he's the one that's directly involved in... with this type of thing. Right. I, and as we're going to get to, he finds out anyway. Right. Like, he finds it out fairly quickly. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How do you know that man mm-hmm. and that room? Right. I've seen both of them. <laughs> like, yeah. how do you know that? Right. And then Harry's just like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Here it is. And for the record, I think, I mean, other than Snape being upset that he's like, you should not be seeing this. Mm-hmm. Work harder. Right. You know, I think Snape sees that threat of right. like, you really can't be seeing this. Mm-hmm. This is not good. Yeah. I think plus two, I mean, I guess in Harry's eyes, like, well, he's going to find out anyway. And I think, too, you know, going back to the Dumbledore thing, like, he's going to feel like a failure in front of Dumbledore, in front of, like, the head, you know. I think it's a lot of that, especially in this scenario. I I think you hit it right on the head with that he can't fail. He Mm -hmm. has to succeed, and he's failing in Aquamancy, and he's failing at this. So he really doesn't want to go to Snape and be like, yeah, I'm not doing well with what you're giving me and yeah Dumbledore it's embarrassing to right to not be up to that level exactly Uh, yeah I think that's the the major issue yeah we also learned that it's been two months of these lessons by the way oh my gosh two two months of having Snape invade your mind every Monday no thanks that's it's a lot yeah it's so much so that at some point, Harry eventually does actually fight off the Legilimens and use a spell, Protego, which vaults Harry into Snape's mind. Mm-hmm. And we get a glimpse inside, and we see a man yelling at a woman cowering in a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a boy sitting alone in a room. Yeah. And we get a girl laughing as a boy tried to ride a bucking broom. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then obviously Snape fights through that and (laughs) kicks him out. And Harry just sees like a little glimpse inside Snape's childhood. Right. And maybe gets some glimpses of who Snape is Mm -hmm. and why Snape is like he is and things like that. Because shockingly, Snape is more than just the adult we've seen in the first four and a half years (laughs) you know he's a lot more than just that yeah and then i don't know why this just came to me Mm -hmm. like i'm sure it's probably pretty obvious to other people but the like the bucking broomstick i never thought about this like he could have been even more jealous of james because james was such a good quidditch player and flyer yeah I, I mean, I, I think that certainly adds to it. You know, and like he, if this is him, <laughs> you know. Assuming that's all him and not yeah. like him as a bystander. <laughs> Watching a scrawny boy yeah, get bucked off a broomstick. Like, yeah, okay. That makes a little more sense now, you know. Yeah, I think so. it certainly adds to that like, 
James is good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, why does he have to be good at everything? Exactly. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting set of memories. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not positive. Mm-hmm. And Harry believes coming out of this, like, oh, man, I am really going to get it. Like, he's going to come at me hard for this. And he yeah. doesn't. Snape's like, okay, yeah, you fought that one off. Right. That actually was good. Right. Uh, I didn't tell you to use that spell, but it's clearly effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, he stops short of saying good job. Right, right. <laughs> but he says everything up to that point of like, actually, that was effective. Right. And I'm like, those are those moments from Snape that are like, again, he's stopping short of a full compliment. Mm-hmm. But that this is about as good as you're going to get. Yeah. From Especially if you're Harry. Right. And I think it took him back as like, oh, he's actually not yeah. seeming to be upset here. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. However, <laughs> what Snape is upset about <laughs> is they try again. And now we get Harry walking down the corridor. The mm-hmm. room, the door is open. He mm-hmm. goes through the open door. And now he's in a room with multiple doors. Which one do I choose? And then he stops and Snape is like, what are you doing? <laughs> like... <laughs> you gotta stop. Right. And then he's livid. Now Snape is livid again. Now he's unhappy. I think it's, we shouldn't gloss over what Snape is in these lessons. He's mostly mad at Harry when he's not getting the job done. Yeah. Which I think of all this, uh, granted, I, I will not overlook that there are some snide comments yeah. sprinkled in. But, you know, snide comments from Snape are expected Yeah, in a way. Yeah. So, and Harry's dealt with him for four years already, so he's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. But when Snape gets truly angry with him, is like, you have a job to do. Yeah. Like, do it. Yeah. I still don't think that it's an effective teaching style for Harry, though. How would you change it? I think Harry does need a little bit of tough love, but I also think he needs a little bit of encouragement. What kind of encouragement are you looking for from Severus Snape? Well, I mean, <laughs> like... that's the thing, though. You know, like, clearly Severus is not going to be a great... I think you saw the peak of it in this lesson where it's like, yeah. I didn't tell you to use that spell, but it was effective. Right. And I think that's about as peak as you're going right. to get. And I just don't think that Harry was re- responsive to that. Like, he was just like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to get it. So would you want it to be, like, more... I want it to be Lupin, okay? <laughs> you just want it to be a completely <laughs> different person. <laughs> yeah. Even though Lupin himself would tell you, like, I'm not as good yeah. at that. exactly. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it's fair to ask, like... Snape to explain the process of fighting it off better. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Like, what are you going to experience in this? Here's how you fight that. But mm-hmm. I, to Snape's point, he kind of has. He's like, you got to shut yourself off. You got to really shut down emotion and you got to like really start to compartmentalize things. Yeah. Like, he has told Harry the playbook here. Mm hmm. And then all Harry can do is like, I hate you. (laughs) Like, you're not really doing what he's asking you to do. Right. And it's just, again, this back and forth of like, I'm trying here, but you're not helping me. Mm -hmm. And then you get the flip side where Harry's like, I'm trying, you're not helping me. And it's just going back and forth, ping-ponging. Yeah. 
And it's like... It's just a bad dynamic. This seems to be doomed yeah. to succeed. Yes. Like, it's just not happening. No. However, this is the interesting part of this chapter for me. Yeah. This lesson gets interrupted. It's a great scene. It gets interrupted by a woman screaming. Mm-hmm. And Snape actually, like, treats Harry a little bit... I don't want to say, like, up here, because he doesn't. But that, like... Did you hear anybody? Like, did you see anything odd? Did you, was anything mm-hmm. abnormal? Like, he's trying to, like, actually piece together a puzzle with Harry for a second. And Harry's right. like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And so Snape's, like, wand out. And he, like, goes charging. Because That's I crazy. think he knows that voice. He does. Because Molly and I were on it from the get-go. Yeah. I think he was worried about the love of his life being in trouble. Absolutely. And I, I think he responded to that call immediately. He shot out of that room. Absolutely. Wand at the ready. Absolutely. To save his wonderful love, Sybil Trelawney. Yep. After their magical date at Madame. I think he was waiting to, you know, pop the question. I think he... Oh, yeah. I think he was ready. Oh, yeah. They had, like, a private booth mm-hmm. with, like, ten of those... Cupids. Just showering down like gold, pink, and red confetti. Yeah. Just smacking Snape repeatedly in the face (laughs) with pink (laughs) confetti. Yeah. Not annoying to Snape at all. (laughs) One just sprinkling some glitter in the greasy hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine. Right? I don't know. (laughs) So many questions surrounding their date. Maybe he brought her a favorite bottle of her favorite cherry. Ooh. You know? I mean. Maybe he's been supplying her with the sherry. uh, Maybe. Maybe. We can go on and on. No, <laughs> we should stop there. We should stop. <laughs> anyway, uh, we find out once both Harry and Snape arrive in the Great Hall that Trelawney is in a state. She's got her luggage, one trunk by her, and the other trunk kind of like open and stuff. It looks like it fell down the stairs or was thrown down the stairs. And she's in the middle and everybody's standing in a circle looking at her. And she's not in a great state. No. She's kind of hysterical. Uh, she uh, she even, ultimately, we find out that Trelawney has been sacked. Mm-hmm. Umbridge is the one standing on the staircase looking down on the scene and almost gleefully, dare I say? No, she is. Okay. Gleefully looking down upon this really sad scene. And Trelawney is she whimpers that line that's so famous. It's really a famous line that Hogwarts is my home. Yeah. Like, it's, Ugh, yeah. It feels. Right? Yeah. You know, I know some on our podcast have not had favorable opinions of Trelawney here, but this is some of the cruelest things Umbridge has done. Yeah. Because not only are you firing her, you're making this a public scene where you're kicking her out of her home, out of her job. She doesn't know where to go or what to do. Mm-hmm. She's obviously not feeling well. Like, she's crying. She's hysterical. Yeah. And you're taking enjoyment in all of this. Mm-hmm. And after harassing her for like months. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about it when I was reading this chapter. And if 
you've been listening with us through the episodes, uh, you know that this particularly, I think, in Prisoner of Azkaban, I talked a little bit about it with Marge and with Umbridge. It's, um, I have been in a work environment that has not been healthy. Mm-hmm. And I felt awful walking into work every single day. Yeah. It was a miserable feeling and I questioned everything. I, I questioned whether I ever wanted to do this again. I questioned whether I wanted to walk in the door again. Yeah. Whether I should just be like piecing out and be like, I'm done with this forever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm out. I felt miserable. It was maybe one of the lowest points, I think, in my career, hands down. Because I was walking into a toxic environment. Every day. With a toxic boss who was putting me down who was putting me on front street in unwinnable situations. Yeah. And it was just the worst experience. And essentially, in this book, that is what Umbridge is doing to Trelawney and Hagrid, making their lives absolute. Like, how are you supposed to do your job? You can't. Under those circumstances with her being right over the top of you making you uncomfortable on purpose mm-hmm. to ensure that you screw up and make mistakes, yeah. which then you can further just destroy you on. Yeah. Your confidence is ruined. Your whole vibe is just torn to pieces mm-hmm. to the fact that you're like your self identity might even be questioned. Like, who am I at this point? Right. That's what and I, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but I've been in one of these situations, so it hits a different way. And what she does to Trelawney here, and what she's in the process of doing to Hagrid, is wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's totally humiliating him. It's, and I get that they're not the best teachers. I understand that. No one deserves this. They're still human beings. So, this scene hits me in a certain way, but... I do appreciate that McGonagall, of all people, which I was not very fond of McGonagall in Prisoner of Azkaban. I I thought that was the worst her character was, Mm -hmm. or even could be, really, because she was awful to Trelawney. She was. I mean, she was brutal, and she's the one, of all people, to come out and try to console Trelawney and try to get her back to feeling like, at least a little bit okay mm-hmm. or comfortable at least shielded and then it's not until albus appears in the doorway mm-hmm. where things start to turn the momentum <laughs> starts to shift a little bit yeah and he immediately keeps trelawney in the castle which is number one she can keep her actual residence and i think uh, the best part about the the Dumbledore thing is because Umbridge is like, oh, you don't, you, I'm sorry, you're confused about this situation. You're not understanding. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore just serenely, just peacefully is like, no, I think I understand. Yeah. Um, your educational decree says this. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Your other educational decree that you brought up says this. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And Umbridge is just left standing there going, oh, yeah. okay. I guess. Yeah. I guess. And then the whole power dynamic shifts immediately, also in front of the whole school. I love it. So it's like 
Umbridge asserts her power and her authority and she mm-hmm. feels strong mm-hmm. when she's just broken this person systematically throughout the year. And then you have Dumbledore coming in and just knocking her down several pegs <laughs> in front of the whole school. So Dumbledore gets to be the hero. Well, I mean, Again, he comes in like a rock star. He does come in like a rock star. <laughs> Framed in the gigantic in, like, doors. like the moonlight, and... just like, what up? <laughs> yeah. He also then, uh, in his telling of Umbridge what the educational decrees actually are and his responses to them, uh, he found a replacement for uh, Trelawney, who, by the way, Flitwick, McGonagall, and Sprout are the ones to help Uh, Trelawney back to her residence in the North Tower. And I think it's symbolic that it's the three heads of houses that are like, no, 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 we'll help you. We'll support you in this. Right. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Snape didn't do it because he knows Trelawney's residence too well from being there often. Frequently. Well, he's going to come in later with the sherry. That's right. That's right. He'll comfort her later in private. Exactly. I love it. We're just going to like double and triple down on it. It's fine. Yep. But no, I, I think it's important that those three help. And uh, his replacement is from the Forbidden Forest. Yes. Which is where Dumbledore came from. Harry was like, why is he coming in from the outside? Why, right. why would he be out there? Well, it's because Dumbledore once again mm-hmm. got a got a one-up on Umbridge in the ministry and was like, you know what? I'm going to find her replacement just in case she might get fired tonight. Yep. Uh, so he finds Ferenz. Yep. Who is, they give the, the beautiful uh, description of, mm-hmm. of him, but he's a centaur. Mm-hmm. So, and that's how the chapter ends. It's just a yep. <laughs> hard cut, like, boom. Boom. I have done this. Um, And uh, there's... Some things that I would love to discuss in the spoilers, but is there anything non-spoiler-wise that you want to double back on or talk about from this chapter? No, I think we covered it. All right. So we're pausing here, and we'll get right back with the spoiler section. Hey, everyone. We are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 26, Seen and Unforeseen, which obviously gives kind of a divination feel and vibe. Obviously, there's an importance as to why... Dumbledore wants Trelawney to remain in the castle. Yeah. And she is a massive piece to the puzzle, especially with what Voldy wants right now. Yes. That that weapon that they're talking about and they're theorizing about is Trelawney's prophecy. Yeah. So um, the whole reason she was hired in the first place was to keep her safe and near Dumbledore at all times. So she doesn't fall into the wrong hands? Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming she can pick up the prophecy if she's the one who made it. I would assume so. Not just the one that the prophecy is made about? Yeah. Right? No, I would assume so. I would think that if you made it, you can take it. Can you imagine her actually like walking into the Hall of Prophecy? How many of those prophecies do you think were actually made by her? There has to be a fair few. Yeah. Like, there has to be a good amount. Is it every prophecy? That's ever been made? Yeah. I would assume so. That's the impression that I get. Yeah. I mean, we could double check when we get back there, but... Right. Or we would get to that point, but I assume so. Yeah. Because, like, what about the one in Prisoner of Azkaban that she made? That one got fulfilled already. Okay. So I don't know if that would still be there. Right. I would assume it would be. But I imagine she would, like, walk into the Hall of Prophecy and be like, I told you so! <laughs> I told you! I did this. You'd never hear the end of it. 
Um, can see the future. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously she's an important piece to this puzzle. And if Voldy got his hands on her, that would be... Not good. And not be good. You don't even have to break into the ministry. You could. He could probably just delve into her mind and probably come to the moment that she made the prophecy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so you get that uh, little background. And then the idea that Ferenz is the one that Dumbledore replaces. And then he has that like little snide remark about like, I think he'll approve of this one. Mm -hmm. Fully knowing she won't. Oh yeah. Like he has to be aware fully of her incredible hatred of half breeds. Oh yeah. No, that was a total Dumbledore power move. I know exactly what you think of this. Yeah. Gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I mean, like, we do have one coming up. Well, he's he's had a couple in this book, let alone. Right. I mean, his power move at the Ministry earlier for Harry's hearing hearing yeah. was awesome. Right. Like you thought it was gonna come quietly. Oh, I know that scene Boom. is. That scene is so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he has a lot of power moves in this yeah. book. For honestly, not even really being in it a whole lot. Right. Because we've really seen sparing. Bits yeah. of Dumbledore, but he's, yeah, he has a couple of big time scenes. And I mean, we haven't gotten to it yet, so I haven't, you know, read up to that chapter yet. But I think in the movies, Kingsley says it. I'm not sure in the mm -hmm. book where he's like, that man's got style. I think it might be Dollish that Dalish? actually says it in okay. the book. In the book. But yeah, well, yeah we'll get there. I, yeah. It's been a minute since I've read that chapter, too. I know. I'm jumping ahead, but. And it's the spoilers. You're exactly. Fine. No, but I, I, it's definitely a power move here. Oh, it's a, it's a it's a great one. It's also a little foreshadowing because obviously Umbridge uh, has a memorable interaction with the centaurs later in the book. <laughs> yes. And you know th this is an interesting move for friends because I don't know that Hogwarts has ever had a centaur teacher before. No, and it's going to ostracize him from the other centaurs. Yeah. So. And I think that's a big move too uh, and a big political piece of the puzzle yeah. of like this is an odd move all the way around mm -hmm. i i mean we'll get scenes with friends obviously and his version of divination which is a little different than trelawney's very different very different but i think he does a better job of explaining <laughs> yeah his version of divination than trelawney did of explaining hers but uh yeah the Quibbler being a major plot point in this chapter also goes, uh, is a little foreshadowing because it actually becomes like the word of truth <laughs> yeah. going forward. Like no one ends up trusting the prophet and everybody's reading the Quibbler for their, for their right. accuracy, right. which yeah. is a little turn. And it reminds me, like the Quibbler in general reminds me of like, do you remember like those weird, I don't know if they still make them. Like it's like the star and like um like those magazines you'd see in the checkout line with like Wolfman. <laughs> like a National Enquirer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a mad magazine type right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the quibbler always reminds me of. So the quibbler gets its like big showy moment in the yeah. series now and then Yeah. It it becomes the word of truth. And I love it. She sets it up with like no one thinks it's good. Everybody hates it. It's a joke. It's a travesty. Right. And then it ends up being like the thing. He was so surprised that it seems to be doing better than the Crumplehorn Snorkax story. <laughs> yeah. We're going to reprint. Right. <laughs> like, that's... Shocking. Oh, it's amazing. 
I get we're still going to get more of Luna, but we haven't gotten as much Luna as I remember. Yeah. Like, we get actually quite sparing amounts of Luna up until about now, mm -hmm. when the DA becomes a little bit more prime. You also, with Harry's dream and the idea that the homework's not going well, classes aren't going well, now he's getting glimpses into actual Voldy himself, and I think he's starting to get that self-importance of, like, and, and Snape calls him out for it. He's like, mm -hmm. you think this makes you important? Yeah. And, which is accurate. I think it actually does. And I think Harry admits to it at certain points of, like, the ability to kind of see what Voldy is doing is good. Very beneficial. It's course. beneficial. And I think he's starting to form that opinion. He doesn't see the danger in it. Mm -hmm. Even though Snape has warned him, like, do you understand what a window into your mind can give the Dark Lord. Right. And I, I love the, the part where Harry's like, you know, you call him the Dark Lord a lot. Yeah. Why do you do that? Yeah. I did enjoy that, too. That was a good call, call yeah. out, but yeah. it distracts from Snape's point of, like, you shouldn't be seeing this. Right. Like, he, he can do a lot with you. Like, you don't even understand what he's capable of. Yeah. Well, Harry will find out. Right. Harry will find out, and he will pay that price. Should be cautious of it. Yeah. Yep. And I'm just not looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get to that chapter. It always takes me a little while to get the gumption to read it. It's cool. Like... The, it's an awesome chapter. It's awesome. It's an awesome chapter. Like, the whole ministry and all that. That is so cool. It just... We've kept referring to that chapter as uh, the Department of Mysteries. Yeah. It takes place in the Department of Mysteries. The chapter itself is actually Beyond the Veil. Right. So Beyond the Veil, we'll try to do something special and have some multiple uh, guests on that one. Yeah. And might even, might even split it into two episodes Dang. and have a mix of different people kind of getting their two cents on it because everybody wants to be a part of that chapter. Oh, for sure. So... Um, we'll get there when we get there. That will probably drop sometime in January, I think. So we got some time. Yeah. But anything else you, you had for spoilers? No. This is kind of a short spoiler section, but yeah. the, the non-spoiler was so jam-packed with just stuff that was awesome. It's I know. These chapters are getting just like... They're getting loaded. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, no, unless you want me to keep talking about Snape and Trelawney... I think I'm good. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> I'm sure our listeners would love to keep talking about straight, us talking about Stephen Trelawney. We could have made two episodes on um, <laughs> the inner workings, their dynamics yes, of the relationship. Exactly. Maybe that'll be some bonus content in the future. <laughs> I know you're all dying to hear it, just like with the Snorklax. I can't say that with the Crumple Horn Snorkax. Yeah. We can write for the Quibbler. Exactly. <laughs> Relationships at Hogwarts. Exactly. Who is Snape dating now? <laughs> we heard rumors that Trelawney was crying in the Great Hall. Does that mean they've broken up? No. Anyway. Going after <laughs> Madame Hooch. <laughs> oh, yeah. With that, I think we'll just end the spoiler section. <laughs> We'll just end the spoiler section a little short today. Uh, let us know what you think of the chapter 26, Seen and Unforeseen, by commenting on our Spotify episodes, by commenting on Instagram and Twitter, 
by participating in the polls that are on Spotify. There's a support the podcast uh, link wherever you find this podcast um, where you can donate financially. Uh, it's a lot of time and energy that goes into putting these things out. We would really appreciate any support. Um, and if you don't want to donate, that's okay too. You can help us by sharing the podcast with whoever you know that likes Harry Potter, likes podcasts, likes people mentioning random ships. Um, that, would, <laughs> that, that would be our podcast. So yeah, all of that really goes a long way in helping us out. So with that, we will close it down here and we'll be back next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.